Okay, we are back with another episode of the Edlow Podcast. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. If you didn't know, subscribe. I am. This is another exciting one for me. I. How long have we known each other? It's, it's got to have been more, more than it's twenty years that we've known each other at least so long as I've been wrestling because we met. After when I first started, we, when you first ran your one SWF show, yeah, what was that show called? Yeah. That that yeah. first one. Hot, that we did. Hot August fights at the Placer County Fair. Yes. <laughs> myself and Hardcore Dayton were the champions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh no, it was my no, no, it was it no, it wasn't no, it was me and uh, Coyote Jones as the champion against uh, Hardcore Dayton and Adam. But I think we just brawled or something. I don't think we had yeah. a match that day. Didn't didn't have a match. We were yeah. gonna set it up. But that was a, the next. Never happened. But that that was about that was that was about eighteen years ago, I think. Eighteen, seventeen years ago. That was that was two thousand three, so it would have been twenty. Yeah. We were each other twenty years. That's so crazy. Yeah, there you go. Well well welcome to the Edlow awesome. Podcast. Yeah, right? Taylor El Chupacabra Correa, which is i can't believe it's been that long. Man. That's that was oh, a long oh, time ago. So you're freezing up on me now. What happened there? You blacked about, out. <laughs> uh oh, am I back? You got me back. You're back. You're back now. I see you. Now. All right. All right. Cool. Cool. So, I can't believe it's been 20 years. Uh, I remember yeah. it was actually that was the first day I met you. I was putting a show on. I was stressed out of my mind. I was 22 years old, running a wrestling show with a little bit of money I had, and a, a, a car pulls up, and it's you, your trainer, who I had heard of but never met. And then it was you, Corey, and uh, and Adam showing up, and that was before Adam had tattoos. You were still wearing a mask, and uh, <laughs> and it was uh, yeah. It I could tell immediately that you guys all had a level of charisma that was a little bit higher than I mean certainly. Since you guys were all just breaking in, you were well well beyond your years when it came to charisma, and and we could tell pretty quickly that you guys were legit. And so, um, so let's let's talk about that. I'm really glad to have you on because it's 20 years. I've never had a sit down where we've actually been able to talk about. I've heard there's a lot of similarities between kind of the way we we started. Because you started as a backyard wrestler, right? <laughs> yes, indeed I did. I started in the Bay Area about tw- 2000, 2001. I think yeah. I started in backyard. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so that, that's a good – That's a, so, yeah, where do you want me to begin? I can begin from there if you like. Yeah, let's, well, let's talk we'll, – we'll go backwards too. Were you? Did you grow up in the Bay Area? Yeah, so um, I'm originally from uh, Sunnyvale, California, you know, S- South Bay over by Santa Clara, Cupertino, San Jose. Um, went from, you know, K all the way through 12 there. Um, and then after that, uh, it was just, you know, what was this 20 years ago? Too expensive to live in the Bay. I mean, mm-hmm. too expensive to live in California, period. So at the time, uh, my girlfriend, wife, you know, girlfriend at the time was like, hey, do you want to move up here to Reno with uh, my family and me? And I was like, you know what? I can't afford to stay down here. Let's go. Let's do it. So uh, came, moved up here, got a job, and been loving it ever since. But, yeah, yeah originally from the Bay. <laughs> yeah. So you're in the Bay. How did you get – you got hooked up to the same backyard place as, 
a couple other wrestlers, right? Dave Dutra, I know, was in your little group too, right? Yeah. So um, first I started uh, in my, my own backyard. I had uh, I, I started with some group of guys I met through a friend where uh, they had their own ring in San Jose. It was just, it was a crap ring. It was like, you know, plywood, carpet padding, I think boat rope and stuff like that. Um, right. Couldn't really run the ropes. I think I got pictures and stuff somewhere of this. I got to find those, but they, uh, it, it was something to fall on. So I learned how to fall and do that, not running the ropes, but went from there. And then um, they couldn't do it at their house. So I brought it to my house. Um, we had mm. it there for a few years. Um, funny story, uh, before I went to go to the backyard where I um, met uh, Dave Dutra and uh, uh, Ryan uh, Callard, um, uh Pong from Hoodslam, uh, uh, Butch, uh, Robert Hugh came by and I was looking at my ring that I had at the time because I was I thought a little fancy. I'm like, check out my ring. This is awesome. <laughs> and he's looking at me he's like, man, this is a piece of shit. And, I'm, and after looking back on it, looking back on it, I'm glad he never used it for shows or anything yeah. like that. Um, uh, but, uh, so I did that for about a year and a half with my brother in the backyard. And then, uh, back online, I found, uh, a website for Western Federation wrestling, um, looking for open tryouts for, uh, wrestling. I'm like, Oh, okay, cool. Where's this place at? And it's, uh, it's in Hayward, California. I'm like, awesome. Let's go. So, uh, I go to go for the tryout and, um, uh, that's where I met, like I said, Dave Dutra and then Ryan, um, which Anthony Trevino, I met a little while after going from there because he's from another backyard fed that we, you know, teamed up with. Um, who else? There's uh, Jesus Cruz was there for for a little while helping out. Uh, Nick Aragon is actually the one that ran uh, WFW. Um, mm. It was actually and it was in the the APW garage. So oh, I was in nice. the back. So I was in a backyard fed in the world famous APW garage. So, um, from, so that was really, I, I, at the time I didn't know what it really meant. And then looking back on it, I'm like, wow, that's, that's actually a pretty big deal right there. Yeah. It's funny, you, you know, because you mentioned Jesus Cruz. So I, just like you, man, I started, I, I was training with Ollie, you know, I was training with Oliver John, uh, over at uh, pro am mm-hmm. wrestling in 1990, was it gotta be seven or 98. And, uh, and then he closed down while after I'd been there two or three months it closed down and that's where I met Derevco and I met, um, uh, Justin Caton who runs next level pro and, and, uh-huh. uh, and I mean, schizo who used to run PCW. And I mean, it was like a who's who of Sacramento wrestling back then. We were all starting out at the same time. And so it closed down. I didn't really know what to do. So I just put a mattress in my backyard and I just was like, kind of like practicing bumping with a friend and, uh, and then people started coming and watching and it turned into like backyard wrestling shows. And I ended up finding a, a website that hooked up to this promotion in Stockton and Jesus Cruz was one of the guys that was running, running with them in Stockton. And that's how I, I first met him. And we, we, they had a ring. And at that time, Rich Roby, who originally ran SPW had been working with me yep. trying to get the colonial theater running. So I, I paid for the, for the U-Haul to get the ring from Stockton up here. And we did a show with all the guys with, with Jesus and those guys in my backyard. And then the first SPW show was the next day. And so that was in April of 2000 or whatever it was. And big ugly was in that, was on that show. And Jim Cooley was there <laughs> and, uh, and a bunch Jim of, Cooley, Jim Cooley, the name from the past. Yeah. Oh man. And then, 
And then that first show is when I met guys like Rob Wilds and, you know, Hustler, Hardcore Hustler and Big Money and all those old timers, Warpath, all those old timer guys. And so, yeah, so very similar in that, like, kind of parlayed that. But you, you moved to Reno and then you get, that's when you actually get some real training, right? Uh, no. So what, what happened was after I, I, I did the backyard there for a while at uh, the APW garage at WFW. I uh, uh, met Kryptonite. Um, you remember Kryptonite back in the day, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so he was going to APW all the time. And um, I actually uh, broke my hand before an APW tryout that I was supposed to do. Um, mm. I actually, I have, uh, I think it's a couple pins right here, but I had to get surgery done onto it. Um, and when I went to go in, I had a cast on and I remember talking to that friend. I was like, I, I can still work. I can still go. And they're like, no, you just can't even do the tryout. And, I got pissed mm. off and upset, and then uh, after I got it taken off, I uh, met with Triple Knight, and he's like, hey, you, you should just go to uh, Sac uh, Sacramento with me at SPW. You can get trained right up there. I'm like, you know, mm. that'd be awesome. Let's go. So I first went to SPW before going to Reno. So I went to Sacramento four days a week with my mm. wife and uh, with uh, Ryan um, as well. Uh, so we went up there to the Colonial Theater. I went up there my first time after about six, seven months in the backyard. Went to go there and I was like, all right, we're going to go train. Met up with Kryptonite. Talked to Big Ugly at the time. And he he will never, ever let this down. It's been 20 years and he still does it to this day. I walk into the Colonial Theater, walk down that ramp, and I go up to him and shake his hand. I go, how are you doing, sir? My name is Excel. <laughs> Straight gave him my backyard name. <laughs> Straight. <laughs> so... To, 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 to nice. this day, he will he will come up to me. Hey, what's up, Excel? I'm like, oh, yeah. you, boss. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, so so from there, I trained. Um, I started training for about two to three months, um, and I was transitioning to move from the Bay Area to uh, Reno at the time. Mm. So uh, who was who, who is in that class with you? Ah, uh, let's see. Who do I have with me? So uh, myself, Sir Samurai. Uh, Ryan Tran, uh, Brian Nguyen, um, mm -hmm. um, uh, let's see, who else? Uh, Mother Truck and Otis was a part of it. Mm. Uh, I'm trying to think, because we had a couple others. We had a couple females. Madison was there. Uh, Chase was part of that class. And now I'm probably missing a couple more because, so that was my class that I had during there. Um, mm. But before that was uh, Jesus Cruz. He was the grandfather of all of us. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and then uh, yeah. right and then right after that was um the mike hayashi Brittany wonder christina bonnery virgil flynn um anthony uh, riv uh, riviera all those ones are the ones that came in a little bit right after my, me maybe about mm. six months to a year i think something like that yeah so yeah, that that's... was that was my class another class after me wow yeah so how long did you train in spw before you moved to reno about three to four months, I want to say. I held a job in the Bay Area and Mountain View for a while and then moved up there. And then I believe for a while what I was doing, um, I was doing double training. Um, I was fortunate enough to still drive over the pass and wrestle and train at SPW. But then uh, when I moved to Reno, um, I, it was thanks to Adam and Corey. Um, I wrestled with uh, Coastal Pro Wrestling uh, mm -hmm. with uh, Brian Brigger and Mustafa Saeed. Um, yeah. so, uh, they, they opened their arms up to me and, uh, brought me in there. It was actually funny. Another funny story between Corey and Adam at the colonial theater. So I'm getting ready for a show doing this and that. And this is back when Adam and Corey were just 
being hecklers and dicks to everyone. Mm. And like the whole time they're sitting there chirping the whole time in the theater. And I stopped and did something. I just, I think I yelled like, shut the fuck up or fucking handle it. <laughs> and then they both, they, they, they both looked at each other and smiled. And I think they both were like, all right, all right. That's pretty cool. I like this guy. I like this guy. And they came up to me. <laughs> And they came up to me after. I'm really pissed, like ready to fucking sock him in the face. I'm like, oh, I hate you guys right now. And they're just like, hey, you should come. You're moving to Reno, right? You should come to our school and train. You'll like it there. So it's thanks nice. to those two guys that uh, nice. <laughs> I got into there. So, nice. and then um, so so I was training there maybe Thursday, Friday, and Saturday in Reno, and then training about four days to three days a week in Sacramento. So uh, wow, that's, two that's training, a rough schedules. It was rough, but I'm fortunate that I was able to do it because my debut was in four months of starting training with SPW and then going into CPW all together from December of 2022 is when I started kind of, but then I debuted in April of 2003. Wow. So did you initially, you, you called yourself Excel in on the, <laughs> on the backyard scene, but when you got, when you got a gimmick, were you always El Chupacabra or what did you do first? No, so I was still using Excel. I never had no clue what character I was going to do or anything like that. And I think I did uh, a couple student so shows as Excel. Um, mm -hmm. And then after, I think, a couple student shows and me repping a couple um, of the big shows for SPW and stuff like that, I think during training session, we were bumping around, having a good time, and just training, doing stuff. And I believe it was block going ugly, just, um, you know, for everyone who didn't know, um, Big Ugly is the original uh, Chupacabra. Um, mm -hmm. He was doing both characters at the same time, um, Big Ugly and Chupacabra, and he was just, he didn't want to do both. He wanted to stick to his own character, of, um, Big Ugly. So then at the time, they were trying to figure out what to do about it, and I think Blocko looked over and was just like, hey, Ugly, wouldn't it be funny if, you know, Chupacabra had a son? They kind of both laughed at each other and just, like, looked over at me, and we're like, hmm. <laughs> that can work. Yeah, <laughs> so, that's right, because um, I remember that, when I first... When I first met you, you were El Hijo de Chupacabra. Yeah. Yep, El Hijo de Chupacabra. So that's that was given to me by El Flaco Loco, because uh, Flaco is huge on you know the the lucha libre and the Hispanic style of uh, wrestling mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So he he adamant on me getting the mask and adamant on me you know doing the lucha libre style and. Um, it was a good character. It fit me well. I mean, you see the, the, the dynamic between, you know, Ugly and I was great. He's the big guy. I'm the small little guy. So mm -hmm. we were able to have, you know, a good run with it. So, um, but yep, that was my character of, from Excel to El Hijo de Chupacabra. That's how I transitioned uh, from my backyard to go, going pro. Yeah. And, uh, so so and, let, yeah. Me, let me ask you, when you're, when you're doing this, first of all, could you describe, was it different training? I mean, I, I've been to a few different schools before I ultimately finished up training. Well, I retrained and did everything again with Johnny Jeter just a year or two ago, you know, finished up with him. And everywhere I went, training was a little bit different. Could you maybe describe the differences in working with Brian and Mustafa, who, you know, people who don't know, Brian was, uh, he was one of the... Um, the original uh, job guys for the WWE, and his, I, if I if I remember correctly, his his uh, claim to fame was that Papa Shango lit him on fire, right, at, at a yep. wrestling show. <laughs> yep, yeah. yep. That wow. he was he was the doink the clown, the one that uh, got lit on fire by Papa Shango. That one. Yep. Yeah. And so, <laughs> so um, t tell me what was different in the training at SPW versus training with Mustafa and Brian. Um, so the different. Training styles was 
was great. Uh, so with Big Ugly, um, he trained, um, you know, chain style wrestling, but then he was a huge, huge fan of Dragon's Gate, Torimon style. So we learned how to do a lot of good chain wrestling, get our cardio up, and do stuff that's not seen on the independent scene during that time. So he, back in the day for tape trading, he had hundreds and hundreds of tapes, and we would just go watch this one, do this, watch this, do this. And it was great because we were learning stuff outside of the, uh, our little area here in Northern California and you know, the West Coast. But the, the best part was that while I'm getting that training there with the ugly in them, in Reno, it's old school, 1970s, 1980s style wrestling, slow pace, big man, you know, work the crowd, you know, that kind of uh, style of wrestling. So I was learning two different kind of eras at the same time and was able to mold it and make it my own um, style um, during, during, you know, 20 years ago. So uh, they're, they're, they were both hard. Don't get me wrong. I mean, this is 20 years ago. So this is back when, you know. We were still getting hit hard, chopped hard, heat nights, and right. stuff like that, you know. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, so that 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 was hard back in the day for that. Um, and I went through two heat nights because <laughs> I had two, <laughs> two, two, two different schools. Um, yeah. But uh, but no, they, they, I benefited very well from both of the training, um, and it, it molded me to who I am today. So yeah, yeah. So. Um... You know, for those of you who don't know what we mean by tra tape trading, back in the day before YouTube and internet and all that, the way <laughs> the way you figured out there was wrestling was literally, you would go is at the beginning of the internet, right, where people would say, "Hey, I have this tape of ECW, or I have this tape of Dragon Gate or New Japan," and they would trade a tape for a, a VHS tape for a VHS tape of like people who had recorded stuff off a of TV. Or some other tape and sent it sent it around to other people so everybody could get a chance to watch it, and you would run into all sorts of crazy stuff. That's how I got to see that that first Japanese death match between Cactus Jack and Terry Funk and a lot of that New Japan yep. stuff and FMW, you know Hayabusa and those guys. And so, um, so who would you say then like you most pattern your style after? <clears throat> oh, so. I want to say I molded myself between a few wrestlers that I really enjoyed uh, when I first um, was getting in, in, into the wrestling scene. Uh, Rey Mysterio. I mean, that's just typical. Everyone loved at the point about 20 years ago how high fly and what he was doing with Eddie and Psychosis and Dean Malenko, just everything that he was doing in WCW and then Mexico was just phenomenal. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I love that style. Um, but then I loved, uh, for some reason, I hooked on to uh, Rhino from ECW. Um, I loved his his attitude, his um, the way that he just carried himself. Or something something about him was different, and like it carried over from ECW into uh, WWE, and I just loved that factor there. And then uh, just Kurt Angle, I'm a huge Kurt Angle fan because that guy was just uh, he, he he got it. He was one of the fastest people to get it. He got it that good, and he he understood the charisma, he understood the comedy phenomenal um collegiate wrestler of course he's a gold medalist but then he he was a phenomenal pro wrestler just the things the way that he transitioned from moves the way that he was able to his moonsault was like i always try to idolize and do the moonsault after him never looks anything like his but i loved that moonsault and then right. um i think the last one was um chris jericho 
Um, mm. Chris Jericho is the one I, I really tried to idolize the most because I I like to make the other the opponent look good. My my thought is if I can make that guy look good, I look good. And yeah. Jericho yeah. can go in there with anyone and make that person look good. And he would still do his own style. And that person, he would mold and adapt to their style with his style. And mm. I, I took that to heart. And I was like, that is great. He was a great entertainer. He's a great um, wrestler. Um, it's just something about him. He's, he has the full package in my eyes. Yeah. So yeah. The, these guys who you pattern yourself after, it's interesting that you bring up, like Rey Mysterio made sense because at the beginning, you were kind of a lucha guy. I mean, you, I, I've watched you over the last 20 years, and I've, I've seen differences in your work. You're very much more American style now, but at the beginning, you were high-flying, just one of these, you were a luchador, you know? Yes. Uh, and so did, did, you, did you have any, before you, know, you got into wrestling and started learning the craft, did you enjoy Lucha Libre, or was it just straight American wrestling? <laughs> uh so it's a funny little long, but I'll try to cut it somewhat short in there. But uh, okay. I I didn't like wrestling, pro wrestling, when I was younger. Um, I wasn't huh. really into it, I guess. Um, and then um, when I was about 12 years old or so, um, we went to watch um, a live event over at the Cow Palace. My mom got three tickets because she said she knew a wrestler. And mm. I was like, oh, okay, whatever, mom, you're sure, whatever. So we right. get to the Cow Palace and we're sitting there. And after um, the show's, the, this, the match is done, that she goes, I know that guy in the ring. I'm like, sure, whatever, fucking mom. <laughs> Stop lying to me right now. Right. So it's a, it's a house show, so there's no cameras and stuff. So she runs over to the gorilla position, which I didn't know was at the time. The curtain's right there, and it's how the angle of the, you know, they can sit right over and lean over the side. And she looks over and she goes, Chuck, hey, Chuck. And uh, lo and behold, Papa Shango looks up looks at the security guard and goes, Hey, tell them to come on down. I got them. <laughs> so oh, wow. my mom, my mom and my dad went to high school with uh, Papa Shango, the Godfather. Oh, uh, wow. they, they, uh, they lived right maybe like five, six houses around the corner from where my dad's house is. And, uh, so my mom knew they all went to high school and stuff together. And, uh, my mom was in touch with me still and then got us tickets to go see him and watch the show went backstage a little bit met some great people back there i'm like wow this is awesome this is what i want to do for my life this is going to be great and wow. uh yeah so i told my dad that so i told my dad that that i want to be a pro wrestler and my dad at the time was like the hell you're not um <laughs> reason being is, <laughs> reason being is my dad is a four-time state collegiate wrestling champion in high school so mm. he despised at the time, you know, it was what in the nineties. So my dad despised um, pro wrestling. It's that mm. big stuff. I do the real kind of stuff. I don't want you to do that kind of stuff. So mm. I put that to the back burner. I'm like, fine, dad. I guess I'll just stick to my baseball, basketball, and football that I've been doing. Um, mm. So I did. I just stuck with that for a while. I watched wrestling here and there, but wasn't too into it. And then uh, once I got with my girlfriend, wife Angela, um, we, we, we've been together for 23, almost 24 years since high school. Um, mm. So when we first started dating and everything, um, I'd go to her grandparents' house and uh, the Hardy Boys and like the Dudleys and some other people are on, and I'm just sitting there yeah. cocky as hell. I'm like, I can do that. That's a little. <laughs> I, I, you know what I can do? I can do that kind of stuff. And then finally, she just snapped and looked at me. She was, oh, yeah. Oh, well, fucking, why don't you go prove it then? I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm stubborn. Um, so I was like, oh, oh, you want me to prove I can wrestle? Watch me. 
And then from there, that's how I started my training going in the backyard and everything. All of me being stubborn and saying that I can do that. Watch me. And then I did. Man, that's hilarious. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, like I said, I didn't, wasn't an all-time diehard fan in the beginning. I'm, I'm never said I was, but when I got into wrestling, I made sure that I, you know, it's like a school and you got to learn. I went back into my history and learned as much as I could and then just learned up on certain people and on certain federations and just everything like that. I did all those things just to, uh, you know, I needed to know what's going to go on in wrestling if I'm going to use this as my craft and do this for, for not 20 years now. <laughs> yeah, man. So who do you think if, if you were going to pick somebody, and we may be even jumping ahead a little bit because – we're at the very beginning of your career, but who do you think has taught you the most about pro wrestling? Um, I mean, of course it's big ugly as my trainer. Cause like when Angela and I would come up from the Bay area or even from Reno and we didn't want to drive back, we, he would, we'd go and stay at his house, you know, mm. after practices and stuff like that. And he would just sit there like we're done with practice for four hours practice, taking down the ring and everything, you know, putting it in the back at the colonial. And after that, going back to his house, like, all right, let's watch some tapes. Angela's, you know, exhausted already. So she's already passed that out on the couch. Me and Ugly are up until two in the morning, just sitting there watching, you know, videos while little, little Titus and, you know, uh, Salem are running around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Man. So, um, so tell me, what was it like training with Mustafa? Uh, it was great. Uh, it, it was great because at the time he, he was one of the guys that had my back because at the time I, he, I'm not a big guy. So when I was in Reno, I was with, you know, Adam Thornstill, hardcore Dayton, uh, Malachi, Lester the Legend, and then uh, Paul Isidore came later on about a year after that. And so I'm, I'm the smallest one out of there. So uh, Brian, Brian Brigger, he admits that he was like, he didn't really want to work with me because I was small and I was doing a Lucha Libre style. It wasn't the style that he wanted to teach and do. But I was like, I want to do your style. I will learn your style to do this. And he kind of put it off. But Mustafa was there and, you know, pulled me aside and was like, keep sticking with it, keep doing with it, you know. And I always kept doing it. I see all these other people leaving and not coming back. And I, I kept on sticking. And then finally, Brian was just like, all right, I like it. I guess you're here. <laughs> you're you're <Yeah>. here now. <laughs> yeah, it's funny how that works because I remember when we were running the power gym here in Sacramento, uh, it would often surprise me because I always tell people when they start a wrestling school, I'm like, you just got to be prepared of every 10 guys that come through, you know, eight are going to be gone in the first month and one is going to make it through, you know? And yep. it always surprised me when those 10 guys came through who it was that made it through, you know, because there were some, <laughs> because you'd look at some guys and they'd be jacked to shreds. You know what I mean? And they, they would have all the look and they would come out for a practice or two and they would, they would get it quick. And you'd be like, this is the guy he's going to do it. And then two weeks later, you'd just be like, Oh, lost my job or, you know, oh, I don't have the money to pay. And then you, you can't just let people work for free. You know what I mean? So you just, okay, well, then you're gone. And I remember like, uh, do you remember John Redito? He, he came in and he did, um, oh, what was his gimmick? He worked over at, uh, at uh, uh, with Sparky a lot. Uh, he ended up transferring over there and, and training with them. John. He did, he did a whole like gimmick where he would wear like a, he wear like a robe and had a thing of wine and a mustache. He worked with Shotzi a lot. Oh uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, 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 I worked with him at a PCW. I did a one-on-one match. 
Yeah, yeah. So yeah. that guy came in, and I just looked at him and I said, "This guy's not gonna make it." You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> because he was a little, he was overweight, and he was like, you know, he just didn't look like much. And I'll tell you what, he was the, he was doing 500 squats a day, no problem. Lost all his weight, got real got real jacked. And I remember uh, I put him in the ring for his first match. Well, his first match was at a, as, as one of our Gridley shows because someone didn't show up. So I'm like, oh, you ready to debut? And he killed it. You know what I mean? And then I had him work Lester for his official debut in Woodland and just killed it then too. So it's just funny how that works out. And so yeah because yeah you're like you said you're like oh that guy's gonna make it and you're like wow that guy made it oh i didn't yeah. expect that to happen <laughs> yeah yeah so now you're um so let's let's talk about the 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 kind of the uh the i guess the pro the, the progeny of el chupacabra because when i first met you you were wearing a mask you were a legitimate luchador what made you change from the mask to the face paint Uh, an injury. <laughs> oh, really? Broke my whole left side of my face. Yes. Oh, wow. So let me scoot on the camera so you can see. If you look under my eye, you see a little scar. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So a that, scar right under here. How did that happen? I have uh, – so about two years into the business after wrestling with a mask on, um, I wrestled in Fresno in a show, Improv 2 Battle Royal, and uh, took a big boot from uh, Malachi, uh, mm. one of the guys from up here. And uh, it, I, I, at the time, so the mask is a regular luchador mask that uh, my wife helped put together and stuff like that. But we, we put red mesh over the eyes because we wanted to match the mask that Big Ugly had. Mm -hmm. And so while uh, the red mesh was, it was throwing my depth perception off most of the time because I couldn't see, you know, mm -hmm. with, you know, unless it was very light. Um, so what happened is we're in this battle royal, this and that, I get in the ring and he goes, big boot. And I'm like, sure, we've done it hundreds of times. I go and take a big boot and I must have ran too fast or something like that. And he caught right under and it crushed my whole orbital up this way. Oof. So, um, so uh, it was in November, right before Flacco's birthday and my wife's birthday. I remember that. Um, mm. So I, I, it happens in the match. I, I, I take it a hit and I just roll out and I roll out in the ring, go out to the back. I'm like, Oh man, I take off my mask. I go, Oh, woo, man. I'm exhausted, and everyone looks at me and goes, holy – go get Angela right now. And I'm like, what? What's wrong, guys? She comes back, looks at me, and screams and cries and runs out. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? And then uh, Billy Blade was there, and he comes over. He goes, go look in the fucking mirror. So I go in the mirror and look. My left eye was dropped down to about right here where my cheek is at. And wow. I was like, oh, shit. I was like, oh, shit. I yeah. put the mask back on, walked back through the crowd and said, hi, everyone, bye, everyone. And we went straight to the hospital. <laughs> wow. What was the, did you end up having to have a surgery or how'd they fix that? Yeah. So, um, after I went to the, I went to the emergency room in, um, Fresno, um, I had to wait a week, uh, for the swelling to go down. Um, it looked like a boxer's eye. It was all swollen over all the way mm -hmm. here. My eye was dropped. Uh, but they had to wait for the swelling to go down before any surgery was able to be done. So, um, after that, I got surgery done, and I got four plates and 24 pins on the left side here. So I got uh, one, two, three, and then under my eyeball, I have a plate and then just pins to keep it all together that are wow. there for life. Wow. Man. How long did that recovery take? 
uh it i was supposed to be out i think six to eight or six to ten months mm. but like i said i'm stubborn and came back in four nice <laughs> so is that what so uh, well, the, 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 is it because of the depth okay, here, perception you're, you're gonna, you're, you're, oh go ahead yeah go the depth perception was the reason why it, it broke my face and everything i believe it was and i, I just maybe not want to have a mask but so funny story because i always tell everyone listening about it so the next day it was uh, we had SPW after it broke, so I broke my face. Got in the emergency room, got out, and we drove back because it's from Fresno, and I got to go back to Reno. But SPW was the next day, and I was supposed to have a show, and I was like, "Oh, let me go stop and say hi and make sure show the guys that I'm okay." So we pull up to the Colonial, and everyone's like happy and excited, They're like, "Oh, I'm glad you're okay." I'm like, "Yeah, I'm fine." And Angela's walking in. She goes, "All right, Taylor, I want you to. I gotta go to the bathroom real quick. Go say hi and stuff, and we'll hang out and we might have to leave." I'm like, "Okay, no problem. Don't cause any fucking trouble." I'm like, "No problem, babe." So when she goes right to the bathroom, I look and I run as fast as I can. I get in the ring. I'm like, all right, guys, look, this is what we can do. It's just my left side of my face. Don't kick me or bump me. So I can just sit here and just get punched and sell. Next thing you know, all I hear is I look over the top of the colonial. I hear, Taylor fucking Christopher Korea. <laughs> I, I seen everyone. Uh, I seen, I think it was like Drake Frost. I see uh, Big Ugly. I seen Bruce. I seen Samurai Otis. Everyone's jumping all out of the ring and moving out the ring and pointing and pointing like it's him. We didn't tell him to do it. He came in on his own. <laughs> she came down the ramp, came all the way down to get the fuck out the ring. I got out the ring and I'm like, oh shit, what's going to happen? She grabbed me on my left side of my ear where the broken side was at and dragged me out. <laughs> So I was in real pain because I, you know, she's like yelling at me the whole time. Like, what the hell is wrong with you? What are you doing? <laughs> you know, it, that's, uh, yeah. that's that's something that's really interesting though, because, <clears throat> you know, the the wrestling business is really hard on relationships, and yes. uh, and it sounds like Angela was just down since day one. You know? Oh yeah, no, Angela. She was always down. Like I said, she's she liked wrestling more than I did at the time, and she was more into it. Um, and then when I started training and doing stuff, she was really into it. So she would come up to train with me, um, mm -hmm. training with me. Um, she would actually uh, sit there and record my practices for me, so that the next day or night I would watch and see what I needed to do and improve on and work on. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I would do all of that and. Uh, she would come up there, but then also she's trained for a little bit. I think she trained for four months, maybe six months, but she's not dumb like me. So she was smart and she, <laughs> she knew so, that her body couldn't take it. And she was like, Nope, I can't do this. This is hurting. How can you do this? And me, I'm yeah. like, what? This is fun. <laughs> so, so two years in you decide, okay, because of the mask and the death, death perception, you switch to face paint. Which so, I got yeah. to tell you, it looks it looks great. You know? Thank you. Uh, so after that, I, I was really timid. I didn't want to put a mask back on. I didn't want to stop wrestling. I wanted to keep wrestling, and I liked the character. And at the time, um, uh, Rick Luxury was the one that actually came up and mentioned to me. He's like, "Why don't you put some contacts, some teeth, and some face paint on, and call you, you still be the Chupacabra?" And I was like, oh, "You know what? That's a great idea. I'm going to do that one." So, uh, wow. so he mentioned it. And then once, uh, I came back, I believe we had a mask versus hair match. I think with the beautiful people with, uh, Shane dynasty, Doc atrocity. Now handsome Jack Dalton and, um, the feature presentation, Clint Douglas, <laughs> mm. uh, <laughs> um, 
I believe, I, I think it was them or someone else, but we lost, Ugly and I lost our match. So we were taking our mask off. Ugly got demasked and he was shown as a big ugly JD Bishop. Oh my gosh. So then when I got demasked, I had my contacts and teeth in. So mm. they were, it was like, I, I am the Jupacabra. He was never the Jupacabra. It was just to help me out, to, mm. to help masquerade me around with it. So from that point on, I, I got rid of the, at least with the Jupacabra and Ugly donned and gave me the character full right El Chupacabra. Nice, nice. So it sounds like he really helped your career that first few years. Oh, oh yeah, no. I, tremendously. I can't even, you know, thank him enough. Uh, I know within the first year, um, he he took me to uh, Vegas, I think, six months in, and that's where I met uh, Funny Bone. <laughs> nice. Uh, me, and, <laughs> me and Funny Bone were both little skinny guys just looking at each other. You know, we're all, we were both just starting. I think he was a year, he was a year older than me in wrestling, so – we both just started looking at each other and we're like, what's up? What's up? Wrestling against each other. Yeah. And we just started, I mean, I'm talking to each other, getting stuff down. I remember we had the match and we started beating the crap out of each other and kicking the crap out of each other. And we're like, man, you hit hard. Yeah, you do too. You're cool. I like you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but he took me down, he took me down to Vegas and then he took me to uh, Portland for Portland wrestling. Um, and he just, he used myself and uh, Virgil Flynn. He took us everywhere. As uh, he says, his business cards. So mm. he's like, "Hey, you you want you want me to wrestle? Let me bring two of my students. Come, come on, Virgil. Come on, Chibi. Let's go." Nice. So we would go be match one, and then he goes, "Ta-da!" <laughs> nice. Did you? Um, so so at that time, uh, that first few years, you know, wrestling was really the independent wrestling here in Northern California was really. I mean, it was like it was a ghost town. There was very few. There were a lot. Well, I wouldn't say there's a few. There were a lot of promotions, but there weren't a lot of fans, um, and everybody was kind of fighting. I mean, there was that whole APW versus SPW thing going on, where APW said everyone at SPW were backyarders, and and you know vice versa, and they were all fighting, and and so. Well, but but you but you never. I mean, you're one of the few people in, from that era. You and Virgil Flynn really are the only ones who like kind of came out without anybody having anything bad to say about you and just curious how you navigated that uh one virgil and i are, are not that smart so we don't like to lie and bs so it's easier <laughs> just to say how it is so right. it was just so there's no way you can't get caught up in nothing if you're lying about something because you don't like to lie or fib so right that was the easiest way we're honest and true about it and then um we got lucky with the whole, like you said, that whole era of Northern California hating on each other, PCW, SPW, APW, BTW. Um, when Virgil and I got out of training, um, we got asked to go wrestle at APW. We were actually the ones that broke that mold of going from one school to another school um, mm -hmm. during that time. So we went over and I believe we wrestled Nathan Rules and AJ Kirsch, um, mm. and Johnny LaRocca. We wrestled them uh, um, at, a, I think it was in San Francisco, if I remember. Um, but that was our first time wrestling outside of um, the, the promotion. I mean, we wrestled outside of different promotions there, but that was the, out of the bigger ones at the time. Mm. And what we did is that we just, you know, we did what Ugly told us. And we do it to, I do it to this day. Just, I go in, say hello, shake everyone's hands, the boyfriends, girlfriends, camera crew, anyone there. I, I always thank everyone that's there for their help because uh, they're doing something I'm not doing, and I appreciate it because 
I'm not doing it, and you're helping out with the show. Thank you very much. Right. So, But we did that every time and just being nice and humble and just – we wanted just to go out everywhere, and Ugly was open to it. Ugly's like, yeah. he's like, I have no hatred. You can go to everywhere you want, but that was just what it was. We just went everywhere we wanted, and um, but we always had that loyalty to, to Ugly. It, it just hands down, it was always Ugly. Right. Yeah. In fact, I, I got a story to, to tell uh, about you that I thought was was really uh, it was actually quite amazing. I remember when we did the Impact Wrestling tour. Uh, right. The first one, um, we did the San Francisco Sacramento loop and we ended up at the Memorial Auditorium. Mm-hmm. And what I found so fascinating, they did a gut check that night. And it was really funny for those people who don't know, the gut check is basically an impact wrestling tryout. And, uh, and you and Luster came along and just helped, uh, really helped me, um, you know, just kind of do ring stuff and work you know work security and do all this stuff like you you guys just kind of came along for the ride and so they gave you guys a shot at the at the gut check for doing all that work but i remember the first the first thing they did was chain wrestling and you and aj kirsch were the first ones to go and i remember after you guys i think you did two minutes or three minutes of just chain wrestling and after that uh, i remember d'lo brown looking at everybody and being like Good luck following that. You know what I mean? And, then, <laughs> and and you guys just you guys just crushed it and nobody nobody compared. And I mean those guys a lot of those guys who who were there, they've all been to you know, Japan, ADW, they've done all that stuff, but you guys were the ones that that really set the tone for that and Delo even commented on it. And I just noticed it was you and AJ Kirsch just seemed to have such good chemistry. I mean, how many times have you guys worked each other? Before then, maybe yeah. once, twice. Wow, that's so interesting. I, yeah, no, I, 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 like I said, I take pride in trying to make someone look good. So if I did it for my first or second time making them look good, my job is done. Yeah, no, that's awesome. You guys did such a great job, and so no, yeah. I, I, I totally remember that that gut check tryout because it was um, we did the tryout, and um, I met D'Lo a couple times after that as well, and mm-hmm. he's always been very nice to me and always talked to me about me and stuff and. Uh, uh, but I remember that specifically because with that gut check was one of the reasons why we were able to have uh, Brian Kendrick over at Hood Slam. <laughs> yeah, because because yeah. I was doing the promo in the back. I forget who's doing the promo with me, but I was doing a promo, and he bust open the door and walks in. <laughs> he didn't know what's going on, and then jumped in, and we just did an improv two promo back and forth talking with each other. And they're like, "Cut!" They're like, "Oh wow, that was great!" And I was like, "Yeah, did Ty plan this? We didn't plan none of this. You, you didn't know he was coming through the door." Right. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that that, so I got to thank you for that one. That was a good one. Got to thank you for that one. Thank you for the gut check trial. That was that was really good. Was that yeah. the same one? Because that was the first one. The second one was that the one that we did the the Lucha Libre one. No, we did Lucha Libre USA. Uh, that was the the five city thing with them. That's right. That went from Reno to Stockton to San Jose and a couple other towns. And you you worked you did some refereeing for them and kind of got in with that stuff and that was that was really good too. That's how I ended up meeting Rocky Romero and ended up with the with the New Japan, you know, deal. Yeah, yeah. Rocky so, Rocky's great. Rocky is Rocky Romero. If anybody ever wants to talk about somebody who is straight up one of the best, easiest guys to work with, Rocky Romero is just such a good dude. Such a good. Dude. Yep. Man, yep. he's he's so good and he's such a good worker and. 
and just cool with everybody. Another one of those guys yep. that nobody has anything bad to say about. Um, so, so now going back to family life and wrestling, I mean, you know, you, you've been with the same woman for 24 years and you got how many kids? Four? Four kids now. Yeah. Four kids. Yeah. No more. No more. No, I'm, I'm neutered. <laughs> I'm neutered. No more. You're good. You're good. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you know, and your, your oldest is how old? My oldest will be 18 in a couple months. Oh, wow. So your kids are right around my, and your, and your second is 16. So, so I'll have my oldest will be 18. My second oldest will be 15. And then the next one will be 11 this mm -hmm. month. And mm -hmm. then I believe my youngest is 19 months, 20 months. Wow. You Don't quote me. Big, Don't quote you me. Got, you got a big, you got a big uh, gap there. That's, well, that's uh, how it, my, my, my wife and I started young. I mean, we started, I think it was 22 and 20. Um, mm -hmm. We both come from big families. We're both the oldest of five. So it's nothing new to have, you know, a bunch of kids around sure. with us. Um, but I, I, the, our last one, I, my wife and I were looking at each other. And my wife, she, she kind of wanted one more and she didn't. And I was like, well, okay, well, I want to go in for the procedure. I want to get this done. And yeah. it's like, all right, let's go for one more. Nice. <laughs> so, nice. So we got our we got our last one, and I think a couple weeks later, or maybe a month later, or so went on in and said, "Goodbye, boys." Yeah. So how? <laughs> but but my my question is really more like, how is it? I mean, you you have one of the guys who even like you said, even at that time when people were kind of like sticking around just in their promotions, and there was you can't go work for that guy, you can't go work for this guy, you pretty much were working for everybody. And that had to have been hard on the family life. Talk about kind of some of the rigors and difficulties and how you've navigated that. Um, beginning of my career, it was really easy because you know, I didn't have kids for a while. And then once we had kids, um, like I'm very lucky with Angela because um, she wanted to come. She didn't want to be a stay-at-home mom. She didn't want to do that. She, she's like myself. She played sports her whole life. Um, she played softball. She played volleyball and all that stuff. She loves camping. She loves outdoor kind of stuff. She doesn't want to just stay home. So um, all of our kids, after about two to three weeks of after birth, have all been to the first wrestling show. And wow. they then um, I've just been lucky to have her being able to either go with me to the shows or stay home and go, oh, you're fine. Go ahead. Um, I, I, it, it does help out that since we're here in Reno, um, it's her family that lives up here. My family still lives in the Bay Area and like Central California and stuff like that. Um, mm -hmm. It's just myself from my family that lives up here. Um, so I, I believe that helped out a lot because she's able to have her sisters and brothers and her mom and dad, you know. So it was you know a lot I, that that helped out a lot too. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not gonna say that it didn't because that helped out tremendously there. But it it was really rough maybe about ten years ago when my kids you know start playing sports and doing stuff like that and you know, you had to start missing stuff and doing things. And, mm -hmm. um, so that, that was pretty hard because that 10 years ago. So my career was starting to pick up even more than it was in the beginning. Like I was wrestling maybe twice a weekend or once a weekend. And then after I was wrestling two to three, sometimes four times in a, in a mm -hmm. weekend. So mm -hmm. I was missing, missing a lot and it was, it was heartbreaking. So I, what I really did after a while was figure out how can I wrestle and still be at the same events for my kids so what i do is i usually try to plan the shows around where their events are at and i'll get done mm -hmm. with the match and then just drive straight maybe six seven hours and 
go to a softball game or get there for a baseball game. And, you know, so I, I've done a lot of sleep sacrificing, I guess you can <laughs> say that. Yeah. Cause I mean, um, but I, I want to be there for my kids and I want to be there for my family. So I did more than what other wrestlers or other parents would do. I, I went above and beyond. Like, I'm going to be there for that game at 7 a.m. Don't worry. I'm leaving Oakland right now at 2 a.m. I will be there. Wow. I get there. I get there and I, and I you know, I'm, I'm glad that I could see my kids smile and see me trying that hard to be there and stuff. And I got to thank my, my dad. My dad is the one that installed that to me because he, he was there, coached me for 10 years of my life from 8 to 18, baseball, basketball, football. So, wow. Wow. So I, I just wanted, I, I, my dad didn't sell that to me and I'm just showing my kids that like, Hey, I'm here for you. So if there's a, uh, if there's somebody who's a, you know, recently married or young father who wants to get into pro wrestling, but is concerned about the effect on the family life, what kind of advice would you give that person? Be ready for a lot of sacrifice. You're going to have a lot of mental breakdowns, I guess you can say, because you're going to be in conflict of trying to be, am I doing the right thing by trying to pursue my career and go out and do things for wrestling or am I doing the wrong thing because I'm doing that? So make sure to have a nice, strong will about yourself, uh, confident, and then a good uh, support system behind you because if you don't have a support system behind you, you know, your girlfriend, your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister, anyone that's there helping you out, um, you, you won't go as far as you want to go because you know, you, you could do this by yourself, but you're going to really need people to push you and help you from behind. And it's usually your family members or your significant others. So yeah. be ready for just a lot of, Hey, sorry. Um, I'm not going to be there. Uh, flight got canceled. We'll be there for this. And, so just be prepared for some of those. It's not all the time, but just be prepared for those. Just mm. overcome that. You're going to have to just know that you're, it's going to happen eventually. Mm. So but just keep your head up. Yeah. So do, <laughs> do you do you and your wife or you and your kids have any, like, are there any rules that you have? Like, hey, if you're out for this amount of time, don't go do this. Or I'd, I really would appreciate it if you don't no. do that in the ring. Do you have anything like that? Um, when they're at shows and stuff like that, you mean? Or no, or even just like, you know, cause, cause I got to imagine there's a love, there's a big level of trust that I got to imagine that, you know, you're on the road a lot. So there's gotta be mm -hmm. a level of trust that your wife has with you, you know, being gone like that. And you have to have a level of trust cause when you're gone, you don't know what, you don't know what she's doing. You know what I mean? It's, oh it's, yeah. 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 No, um, I, I mean, she's my wife for a reason. I, yeah. I trust her 100% what she's going to do, is the right choice for the kids and everything like that because we're both the similar the same mindsets, like I said. We have total opposite attitudes on things, but when it comes to, like, you know, principles and rules and laws, like you said, um, we are pretty much in the same wavelength on that one. Yeah. Well, I think, that, yeah, I think so what like, I'm, more, I'm more looking for is, like, I've, I heard one time Kevin Nash say something that if you, you know, because he, he's been able to navigate a marriage throughout his you know, throughout his career. And uh, he's been married to the same woman for over 40 years, I think. And he said, yeah, if you want to have, if you want your, you don't want to stay married, keep your, keep your wife away from the business. But the thing that's interesting is that you, I think more than anybody have your family at these wrestling shows all the time. I mean, every, every yep. Facebook post I have of you, it's, it's you and the, 
and Los Chupacabras <laughs> jumping in the car and driving to a, a softball game and then going to a show afterwards or, or something <laughs> of that nature. And so it's just so interesting. I'm just curious, like, does she have any rules for you? Hey, listen, I don't want you jumping off of this anymore. You're getting older, nothing like that. Nope. Wow. My wife knows I'm dumb. So, like, she just goes, she just tells me when I leave. Like, I, so tomorrow I leave for, um, what do I got? I got Oakland, Hood Slam, uh, TWF on Saturday. And then Sunday I got Realm of Warriors. So I know tomorrow she'll leave. Every time she, she always does this, she gives me a big hug and kisses. I don't want you to leave. I'll bet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then she goes uh she's giving me a big hug and kiss she goes please be careful and i go i will <laughs> so i'm just i just do that every time but i and then after that's when i get yelled at and then she'll just go i'll get home and she'll like yell at me and like point her finger at me she, and i'm like what what do i do and then you know of course go look on instagram look at this aj posted that up and it's me doing a flip off something stupid i'm like what I, i'm here i'm okay <laughs> Man. Um, so, <laughs> so there's no, there's no real rules, but I know my limits of what I need to do now. I mean, I do, I still do stupid stuff, but I'm not, I'm not as dumb as I was when I was 20 years old. So, well, but other than a- that, like, I, I just, um, other than that, for like you said, the whole thing about the Kevin Nash thing about the marriage, uh, blunt honesty, just, mm. just, I, I don't hold back. I mean, I hold back. I don't custody that stuff like there, but like, if she says something of like, just anything in general first thing i caught my mind i'm like that's stupid and then the second thing is like man you shouldn't have said that but hey yeah that is the truth <laughs> <laughs> and then i feel bad about it and then i always apologize for whatever i say but it's just she knows that it's like it's i say what's on my mind and i feel bad because all my kids say the same thing <laughs> that's on their mind <laughs> well well here's here's a question i have for you you know as i got to imagine i remember hearing jake roberts one time say Something along the lines of when I first started wrestling, I had a thousand moves. And he goes, and then about five years in, I had a hundred moves. Now I have three, you know? And I got to imagine over the course of a 20 year career that uh, you've changed as a performer. What do yes. you think has been the, what do you think has been the biggest change as you've grown over and become more seasoned? Uh, what do you think your biggest change has been? Yeah. My character. Uh, oh, yeah. The moves I've, I've done the majority of my moves the same time over and over, um, but the the character has evolved. I I first like you saw I wore a mask and I wore trunks and I had tassels around my arms. Um, mm-hmm. I wore kick pads and knee pads. I did that for a while. Oh, thank you, babe. Um, then after that I went to I think tights for a while, and then I went to a design tights with the shoulder shoulder pads going over it. And then from there, I went to different evolutions of just covering my body and then actually trying to make myself a full-on looking character. And then from there, my appearance, I went to more of the, the character as my mannerisms, my, my attitude. And then um, I was able to incorporate the moves that I already did and change them, tweak them a little bit, and then make some new ones. So, hmm. so the wrestling moves came after, but it was predominantly my character was what – was the one thing I think mm-hmm. it's also fun to watch like some of some of you guys like I've noticed over the course of your career yeah you do some of the same moves that are kind of your signatures right but man mm-hmm. like you used to just fly all over the place and now you get a better <laughs> reaction not having to do all that you know what I, mean? I get a like, better B- big ugly hates this and you say it every time I get a better reaction when I pee on people than some people talking to the microphone. 
Right. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, that's what I'm saying is that you, you have those little, those little moves that you do that, that they get over every single time. And it's, and they're not hard moves. They're not, you know, you're not doing a, a 450 through a t flaming table. You're, you know, you're doing something where you're, you're simulating like you're, you're, you know, an El Chupacabra peeing on somebody or, you know, a little, a little move here and there that, uh, you know, or chasing the ref or something like that, that gets, gets you over. And it's just so interesting, the entertainment aspect of that. Yeah. So I just, uh, when I wanted to move away from more of the luchador style to more of a character kind of style, um, I was like, well, what's a chupacabra? And I'm like, I can make whatever I want it to be. No one knows what a chupacabra is. They can't tell me. Chupacabras don't do that. Really? Show me a chupacabra that does them. Yeah. Oh, don't, don't have right. one? Okay. Um, so right. what I did is um, I always – I love dogs. Um, I have uh, pit bulls my whole life. Um, so my, my pit bull now, Kratos – um, I would just watch him and just love like the little, he has little manners. And just, he does like a little, you know, with his nose, he mm -hmm. talks a lot. Like, um, you know, pees, he's a dog and everything like that. And I was just like, Oh, I'm going to do all the things that he does to everyone in the ring and just act like a dog. Mm -hmm. So basically I just started doing dog kind of characteristics, stuff like that. And then, um, like you said, the moves that I do, um, I tried to make them as an animalistic style, not a generic, regular, like a suplex or mm -hmm. a, um, a back belly to back or something like that. I try to do something a little bit different just so that it, it's not going to be the same generic moves that everyone's taught. I don't want to do mm -hmm. that unless I really have to, you know what I mean? Sure. Sure. But, but yeah, like you said though, all the craziest stuff that I've done before I did, uh, jumping off of the cages. I did, the, I think the craziest thing I did that my wife still hates me this day is when uh sort of samurai was in a tree of woe and then there was light tubes in front of him, and then Lester the legend gave me the razor's edge bomb into samurai you know his signature um, spot that yeah. he does and i might i think we had to go to portland wrestling the next day drive up to portland and my back looked like a, a cheese grater just ripped it all apart from the barbed oh, wire man. and glass and there were so many butterfly band-aids i had to get for that my wife hated me for that one i bet man yeah i remember seeing you you know i i always enjoyed uh, booking you in those kind of fun matches. You and Lester always had good chemistry. I remember we did the the four way casket match where it was you and Jekylls, and Lester and and Gangrel, and mm -hmm. uh, and you you and Lester particularly. You know Jekylls and and uh, Gangrel also had you know their moments, but you guys really carried a lot of that match. The two of you working. Well, so. it, well, like I said, one, it, it helped out because we trained together. So, I mean, we know each other moves and what to do. But the best yeah. part is, like, I, me personally, since I wrestled bigger guys my whole career, basically, I know what I need to do to make the big guy look good and what I need to do to make myself look good. So, mm -hmm. and then, unless there's a great wrestler, uh, you know, he's a great 80s style, you know, old school. I love, I love that old school mentality that he has with it. But, mm -hmm. uh, it, it, like you said, it was, it, it's easy because we're, he can hit me and I'm like, oh, I, I know he's not hitting me. Know, like he hates mm. me and so right. we're going at it as hard as we can and it, it makes it look believable and real but no it, and it, it was great it was fun um and <laughs> i got it you, you know that was one of my the, my scariest matches i've ever been in is that casket match if you remember, remember all do you remember the whole show before that match what i was telling you no i said do not close this i am very claustrophobic <laughs> and being in a casket 
is like one of my all-time fears of dying. And so I made sure that they put tape over the lock. And when I was when they were pushing me out and I was in that casket, I made sure there was that much light. I did not open <laughs> at all. And then right when they said, you're clear, I busted it open and jumped out. And I was like, never again. <laughs> Man, that was such a – that was such a funny match too for me, just because, you know, we we got those caskets donated um, from a local funeral home for the show because we, it was a fundraiser for the school or whatever, and and uh, I remember after the show, I I thought they were gonna take them back, and then they and then and then they were like, no, I guess California rules were that once someone lays in a casket, you can't you can't take it back. So I was like. Uh, okay, so I ended up with two caskets, and then I ended up selling one to Virgil. So Virgil ended up using it, and so yeah, that was a lot of fun. The other one ended up getting rained on or whatever. I had it outside, and it got rained on and moldy. But he ended up buying the other one, and uh, and it was so funny because my daughter, my daughter Piper, she's she's fourteen now, and I she had to have been, I don't know, maybe seven or eight when we were mm. we were moving from the house, and I put the casket out front. For Virgil to come pick up, and she was hanging out with her friends, and she and the girl comes up to her and goes, "Why do you guys have a casket?" She's like, "Oh, because my dad." I was like, "My dad, my dad does wrestling," and she's like, "That doesn't make any sense at all." And, 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 and Piper, and Piper just looked at her and says, "Sure, it does." <laughs> you know, just, like it was no idea to her what we were talking about. It's just so funny. the innocence, the, the innocence of the girl. She was like, "Uh, yeah, I know it's pro wrestling. I saw my dad at the pro wrestling show with these caskets." Yeah, Duh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It just was. It's just a part of their lives, and it was just so funny because you said, so, "I." It's it's funny when you do wrestling and then you also do other things. I I did a. Uh, I don't think you were there. I did an ACW show. And I was working, um, who was I working? I was working one of Mike Rain's trainees. I can't remember, I can't remember his name, but a good, super cool guy. And I'm sitting there and I just did this whole wrestling match. And then I go to the back and as I'm wrestling, I see I got a text message from the church choir telling me choir was the next morning at 10 a.m. And I'm like, I live a weird life. (laughs) (laughs) I know. So, I know. It's funny with so, with my kids. They've gotten mentioned many times where uh, they go to the teacher, like, "Hey, we're going to Portland this weekend. Hey, next weekend we're going to Santa Cruz. Hey, we're going to L.A." And we've gotten called in, I think, twice for our kids for parent teacher conferences, and they're just like, "All right, look, we need to talk about your your kids. We we hear them talking a lot about them traveling, doing this, and we just need to stop with this habitual line." And then I'm just like, no, no, we're not lying. Like, here you go. Here's what I do. I'm a professional wrestler and we traveled here and we did here. And each teacher's like, I am so, so sorry. We had a lot of kids here that just lie about it all the time because they're saying it since, you know, seven years old, eight years old, nine years old. And they're not lying. They're telling the truth, but the teacher's here all the time, you know? So they're yeah. like, quit lying. Oh man, that's funny. Do you think there's a time, do you think there was a time in your career where you, where you really feel you changed the most as a performer or even as a person? Uh, let's see. I would say once Hood Slam started, I, mm. I changed. So about 13 years ago is when I looked at wrestling a little bit differently and changed myself character-wise there and then looked at the business as a whole 
differently because mm. ambitions at first were like everyone else, you know, let's go to WWE. Or we, we can go to the big time, do this and that. Um, but I, I think I lost a lot of that passion during that time when uh, Jody Christopherson, when um, he got signed by WWE and he got let go two years later or so like that. And he, he's his dad's Chris Christopherson. He was a good wrestler as well. And he still got let go. Why would I want to go for WWE for a maybe and, mm-hmm. and, you know, relocate my whole family over there, get signed up, do this and that. And then, ah, we don't need you. I, yeah. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't want to do that to my family. And so like during that time, when I saw Jody going through that and that totally changed my outlook, like, what should I do? What do I want to do? And, and like I said, this is when, um, um, what you call it? Hood Slam came. She started going up, and this is when uh, she, when she started contacting me and asking me to um, participate with Hood Slam. That right there revitalized myself with wrestling. Cause I think I was, it was like seven years, eight years in, and I was kind of stagnant, and I was like, I don't know if I want to really do this. Like, is this mm-hmm. what I really want to do? And then once Hood Slam started going around, that that changed my whole outlook. That changed my character. That changed uh, a lot of things for me for wrestling. Hmm. Nice. Um, who would you say is your favorite opponent? Uh, favorite opponent, Dark Sheik, is always at the top. Uh, Rick Luxury and I were married back in the day, if you know that term. I mean, mm-hmm. We went from, we used to do city to cities, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you know, three different cities. Mm-hmm. I'm the good guy, he's the bad guy. We just did that, so that was always great to wrestle against Rick. Um, Virgil Flynn is always, you know, it was always great wrestling him because he was always he was smaller than me, so I was able to big man. He was just like, "Yo, this is awesome! I don't get to do this." <laughs> nice. um, let me say, uh, Adam Thornstow. Uh, to this day, I, he's he's one guy I wish that would have gotten signed and got looked at more because he 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 had it. He 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 could have gone far places and stuff like that. Um, but the, those guys right and gals right there that that was like the ones that I remember going back and forth to bat all the time with. Um, mm-hmm. And then when it was me and Virgil, I always liked going against the Reno scum. That was always mm-hmm. a great tag match going against it there. And then uh, the, the Soda brothers, Spurby commandos, <laughs> you know, yeah. Dustin and Derek and, and Riz, it was just for tag matches. That was just great there. Um, but uh, yeah, at the top of my head, those, the, the, those are the ones that I truly enjoyed a lot. Um, those, those, those are great dance partners. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who uh, who would you say is somebody that you haven't worked, or if you could wrestle anybody, li- living or dead, who would you wish you could have wrestled? Living or dead? I don't know about dead. I can't think of anyone off the top of my head for who is dead. Living? I mean, I've been – the independent scene is just on fire right now and new japan and everything like that i mean the top guys right now i believe is will Ospreay and kenny omega those are those would be great um who else would be awesome uh speedball mike bailey that guy is just mm-hmm. on another level um and then when it goes for luchadors when i met these two guys in person i met a uh, commander and uh, Kingo, and those guys are on a, just a whole different level as well like those that would be a really really great match i think i can have with them mm-hmm. um but I can't think of anyone that's just like, yep, that's the one. I mean, mm. generically, I'd probably say Rey Mysterio. But mm. if not that, for dead, of course, it's Eddie Guerrero. That guy, mm-hmm. he, he just had it. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, 
but yeah, I, I think those are the ones I can think of off the top of my head right now. Yep. Yeah. If I come up with any other one, I'll be throwing out names. <laughs> so, so we, you know, it's interesting. We have a, the era I'm thinking about when I was really active with SWF, you know, that was right around the time that hood slam was starting a little bit before that, you know, 2009 to 2013-ish was kind of like when I was, I was involved and I know all the guys who were the top guys then, but now there's a whole group of younger guys that are coming up that really have a lot of talent. I mean, who are some guys that if you were to pick and say, these are the guys that are going to kind of run, you know, be, be where I am, you know, 10 years from now, kind of as locker room leaders, who do you think they'd be? Um, I mean, I don't, I don't know about locker room leaders. I mean, I don't, I don't see myself as one of those. I just see myself as one of the boys. Um, but for the new generation coming up, it's there's a lot of great talent from just uh, Stoner U, from uh, SPW, from uh, PCW, uh, West Coast Wrestling Federation, uh, West Coast Pro. There's just so much talent right now that it, it makes me wish I was a little bit younger because <laughs> of mm -hmm. how much talent. And, and as you see right now, I'm, I'm pushing it right now and trying to do as much as I can. I'm going against the younger guys and, and trying to keep up with them and see if I can learn anything from them. Um, but right now, who has the it factor that's going? Alpha Zoe is really good right now. He, mm -hmm. he found, he found his niche. He, he, it looked like he finally went like that. Ah, this is easy. Now, you know, how, how, how wrestlers always have that one little click in there and it's like, Oh, this is what we got to do. Mm -hmm. Um, from that, I mean, I can't remember. Right now, I mean, not the younger generation, but two guys that have never really got their their praise that deserve it the most, in my eyes, is um, Anton Voorhees and mm. uh, Kenny K. Um, mm. Those guys can those guys can still go, <laughs> and they've been wrestling yeah. as long as I have almost, and they can still go with the younger guys like it's nothing. Mm. But um, who do I really like a lot? Starboy Charlie, he's really good. He, I, I remember I, when he was just a little little kid <laughs> over at yeah. Gold Rush Wrestling. So yeah. that was, that was really cool. Um, you, you know, that's, a, that's the thing though, you know, the thing that I think is interesting uh, specifically about you and I, and what I'm looking for, I see it a little bit in a couple of guys now, but I always booked you on, I think you probably worked every single SWF show. I mean, you were on every single one because you were a guy who people remembered you know, you were a guy who you showed up and people remembered your show. I always put you on. I always put you on first, pretty much, because or, or right before intermission, because you were a guy who just, you know, they remembered you. I would always ask my because my shows would draw casual fans. They wouldn't be your normal indie fans. And so I'd always make sure to ask them, I'd be like, okay, who do you remember? And the people they'd always remember would be guys like Dutra. They'd remember Sheik. They'd remember the Suburban. They were the Suburban Commandos when they were working for me. And they'd remember you. And, and I'm just wondering who those guys are now. The only, the only thing that, I, the only guys that I know right now, you mentioned AlphaZo, but Too Fresh, they're the types of guys where, you know, they come in and everybody remembers them, you know? And, yep. and of course, you know, oh, and everybody, everybody also remembered Johnny Plinko, Johnny Butabi now, and, and Mike <laughs> Rain, because I always yes. had them wrestling each other, and they were always <laughs> doing the same match, and it was always hilarious. And so... <laughs> Um, I, I but, love that match where I think the kid came in the ring. I think there's yeah, a picture where yeah. Mike Mike's getting held back. and like, no. Yeah. The kid yeah. came after him. 
That was so organic too, because Johnny brought that kid into the ring, and the kid asked him if he could hit Mike, and he's like, "Yeah!" <laughs> he just at <laughs> him with the with the toy. That was classic. Yeah, that was, so that was probably one of my favorite matches. Um, but uh, but yeah, but you know, do you I, I do appreciate that. Yeah, who do you think the guys the are now, though? The guys are now. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to think about flyers and like looking at them because it's still majority of the flyers that I see is my generation still on there. Yeah. But yeah. Um, let's see who who have I just recently wrestled? Um, Guapalupe. He's got a good future ahead of him. Um, he he he's got a couple more little training stuff they need to get under his belt, but I think he can be a next big star there. Um, who's I'm trying to think of Jekylls. I'm trying to think of any of Jekylls students because he's got some great students. It's 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 hard because each one of the schools that is going on with their students, they have uh, um, a, what you would call it. they have their own niche of what they're doing, and they're all doing great with their own niche. Mm-hmm. And it, it's hard for me to like. It's hard for me to go. Well, this guy's gonna stand out at this, but this school does this well, and then this does this well. I'm yeah. I'm gonna have to sit on that yeah. and think. Yeah, it's a tough one. It's hard to tell. Matthias, a, one quick second. Yeah, no, that's fine. It's so, yeah. so always good. You see, this is the thing about it is about a dad is that he never has a moment to just yep. sit and talk. You know what I mean? Nope, never have a minute to sit and talk. Wife was making dinner. Uh, buzzer was going off. She had to go pick up my daughter from work. And I'm like, oh, I go turn that off. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So um, here's, a, here's a question for you. Everyone's got a couple of those embarrassing moments in the ring. What would you say is the most embarrassing moment that you've had in the ring <laughs> my most embarrassing moment actually won me an award from el flaco loco oh yeah <laughs> what's that yep what's I, I, I i have it upstairs in hanging up against my bed and um so back in the day like i told you i used to wear trunks and i was like oh. i was like i was like oh kratos hi babe my, my daughter just came home. My my dog came in and, and uh, you know, being the guard dog he is. Hi, babe. Ugh. All right. Sorry. And the question again. What was that again? It was the most embarrassing moment. Yes, the most embarrassing moment. So when I was wearing trunks, I was like, oh, I, these are these are smalls. Wow, they're right, really tight. I don't need to wear underwear for these. I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we're sitting there wrestling. I'm wrestling all the time, and then I get body slammed. Like I have the picture somewhere, but I get body slammed, and I'm sitting there in the corner of the theater, you know, right in front of the crowd. I'm selling legs are up and everything. I'm like, oh! Uh, little I know that my trunks moved over, and oh, no. every, everything was exposed right there. And you see the picture of like a mom jumping to like try to hurry and cover like the kid's eyes real quick. Cause I, I didn't know I'm sitting there selling like this. Ah, oh, and then once I turn over to the side, I'm like, it's a little cold. Oh no, it's way too cold. <laughs> so, um, so SPW used to do uh, awards at the year end awards and uh, Flacco made this award in the plaque and said for the award for my dingy pops out award. <laughs> El Chupacabra, here you go. <laughs> nice. So yeah, that's probably one of the most embarrassing ones. <laughs> yeah. What do you think about? Is there an opinion on wrestling that you have that most people would be like an unpopular opinion? Um, I mean, it's just people look at it, and 
I hate the people that just sit there and, you know, it's just typical stuff, the fake. Oh, I, I hate it. that stuff's fake. And then, you know, it's now, oh, okay, sorry, is gravity fake? Dude, right. when I'm falling six feet from the, you know, top to the ground, is that fake? No. Okay. Well, I'm sorry. I didn't know that Iron Man is a real movie. I, I didn't know that, you know, you, you watching um, Lord of the Rings is, you know, is real, real dragons and stuff in there. My, my mistakes. Mm. That's real too, right? Oh, it's right. not. So what's the difference? It's all forms of entertainment. <laughs> yeah. So, so, uh, you know, you've been doing this 20 years. Um, is there anything that you uh, regret from wrestling? Um, I wish I would have pushed it harder when I was younger. Mm -hmm. Um, I was too dumb and naive and didn't travel out of the state sooner. I wish I would have, I would have pushed it hard the way I'm doing it now. I wish I would have done that earlier. Um, Mm -hmm. I think I could have gone a little bit farther, could have gone a little more, but Mm -hmm. that would be my only regret. And I think Mm -hmm. that's probably why I'm trying to do what I'm doing right now and get as much as I can now. So I don't Mm -hmm. have that regret inside of me. Yeah. Well, what do you think? I mean, you're you're now. I mean, how old are you now? You, you're forty yet. Forty one. Just turned forty one. Forty one. Okay. Yeah. So you're you graduate in two thousand then. Yep. Okay. All right. I'm ninety nine. So we're we're right in that same ilk. So <laughs> so yeah. And I and I just got back in the ring. So you know, I, I feel you. So so tell me, do you? Um, what's next? What's next for El Chupacabra? After wrestling. Or just what do you, what do you what is your next goal in wrestling? So, I, it, number one, it's it's always head slam. Um, okay. I'm always trying to figure out what I can do to um, better myself for the show, do what I can for the show, um, travel and make the show. Like I'm trying to get the show back here to Reno again within the next few months. So I'm just trying to do as much as I can for that promotion to get eyes on that because, like I said, that's what rejuvenated me into wrestling and got more non wrestling non casual wrestling fans to come like wrestling at Hood Slam. So I'd like to try to spread mm-hmm. that joy and gospel about that. Um, yeah. other than that, I if whenever I do decide to hang up my boots, um, I I don't think I could ever I don't think I could ever get away from wrestling. I think I would have to like it'll probably be an injury for myself that I could have to stop wrestling. So I don't think mm-hmm. I'll ever want to say I want to try to retire. But if if I did, I would stop and I would probably, well, I, me personally, I want to do um, video recording, video editing, doing stuff that I can still be a part of the show, be there all day and, you know, do something for the company yeah. but and still get my thrill and joy out of it as well. Um, nice. So I see, I see myself hopefully doing something of that nature and, and teaching. I, I would love to open a school and do some um, basic training and bring in um, other special guest trainers and stuff like that because um, I, I – I like to teach. I like to train. Um, I, I like the beginning six months of whatever it is, baseball, basketball, football, pro wrestling, wrestling, track and field, uh, video games, whatever you want to do. I'm willing to do the very, very basic beginning because, you know, most people don't want to deal with that. They don't want to deal with a person for wrestling bumping, doing the same bump over and over and over. But I find the satisfaction of once they get that bump down and look in that joy in their face that they got it. I'm like, that's it right there. So yeah. I, I think that would be – I would love to do that. Um, but if it's never in wrestling, just doing stuff with my family. Uh, we yeah. always go camping a lot. We, as you see, we're playing softball all the time. Um, I was coaching my daughter's uh, travel travel ball team for a while, but um, it just 
it wasn't working out with me wrestling and you know trying to split both of my times with wrestling and softball and it wasn't fair for, for them for me trying to do that for them yeah it's interesting you know your, your kids are are about the same age as mine i'm 16 14 12 and 10 and so we're we're right in there and it's just so interesting when you get to this point when they're they're starting to grow up and go off and do their own their own thing it's kind of bittersweet because you're proud of them because they're they're going out there they're making their mark but you only got them for so long you know it's people used to always tell me little kid they they used I, I would, it always drove me nuts when I would like take them out when they were little to like IHOP or something like that. And then it's so, you know, they'd be acting crazy and some old couple would come up and be like, you know, you're going to miss this. And I'm like, really, I'm going to miss this. You know? <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure you're crazy. Cause I'm not going to miss this. And you know, the, the hustle and bustle, uh, you know, the hustle and bustle of, of the house, even now, like right now, you know, I have my boys, my girls are off with their mom. Uh, doing a girls camp thing and uh and so uh it's good for them because they don't get a lot of time to just kind of be alone with her so that that was nice but it's just me and the boys and it's just so quiet you know what i mean just just not having them around and i'm just sitting there and i'm like wow you know like that's just so crazy you know it, it, it makes me realize it's like i don't have that much time with them you know? No, and then my wife and I realized that after when we, our daughter that's gonna be eighteen, like we have, we're gonna have an adult, we have an adult kid yeah. now, so yeah. that that opened our eyes about like wow, cherish that moment more and more, and we that and we we've taken that to heart, and and like I said, yeah. that's my style of what I've been doing and why I try to travel and be there for my kids. Right. So now that you've gotten there, I mean, like, what do you do? Do you you try to encourage her to go like a certain way? Do you encourage her, you know, now that she's turning 18 or college, get a job? What do you, you have like, does she have hopes and dreams, aspirations? What do you? Um, I know right now. So she still, she has my, both my daughters are the the older um, Mm -hmm. age brackets for kids. So they had to wait a whole full year because their birthdays are in October and the cutoff date was September 30th. So um, she'll be, she'll be 18 and a senior in high school. So she has one Mm. more year left, but um, I know she really likes singing. She's in choir and stuff like that. And she's playing softball right now as well. Um, I don't know too many aspirations of what she wants to do after other than she's she's just happy. That's Mm. all I really care for. I mean, I I didn't go to college, um, but I'm happy. I I, Mm. I mean, you know, it's, it's, some people do, some people don't. It's just if she wants to go to college, I'll you know help her out and do it. I can. Or if she doesn't, I'm not going to sit there and push it for her because I've shown her that you don't have to have a college degree to be happy and, and keep your head above water. So sure. whatever she's going to do to make herself happy, I'm going to be there to help her out. Um, awesome. And uh, I mean, it's hard. It's hard to say this every time, but she's had a boyfriend for about three years now, mm. and uh, so and he's been with the family and stuff like that. So you know, it's it's nice to see the stability with that kind of thing. And, you know, she's working on a relationship and stuff like that. It's hard to say, but you know, it's good to see. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. funny. My, my son, he's a, he's in choir too. He plays guitar. He does all that stuff. And uh, that's a, that's a whole nother bear dealing with choir and all the songs, you know, all the performances. And then I don't know if they have it in, in Nevada, but I know here in California, there's section choir and there's all state choir and there's all that stuff. And she's, and he's all over I can't, that, and it's just crazy. I think there's different three in, in her high school, but she's um, 
I can't remember the exact one. Because there's the, the bare tones and all that other kind yeah, of yeah. stuff. I don't know exactly which one. But um, but yeah, no, it, it's pretty crazy. And I, I, well, we did that for her, for choir, while my other daughter was still playing, was playing travel ball at the same time. And then my son was playing baseball. So we had all of that all going sometimes in one day. <laughs> sure. Man, it's so crazy, too, running around trying to do all that. Man. Yep. So, um, so you talked a little bit about Hood Slam. Tell me, you know, Hood, I got to tell you, as somebody who is, you know, a Mormon, kind of more conservative guy who's not real big into, you know, smoking pot and drinking, I mean, I don't do any of that. Um, I've been to a few Hood Slam shows, and I can tell you that when I went to Hood Slam the first time, I was so surprised. I th I didn't know what the reception was going to be because everybody kind of knew who I was, right? They all knew that I was like, you know, religious and I don't drink, I don't smoke pot, I don't do drugs, you know, I don't do any of that stuff. And, you know, uh, I felt completely welcomed by everybody. And it was just a, a fun, goofy, like, you know, time with some great wrestling in the in the middle of it it was it was so interesting because hood slam had like you know comedy matches that were funny with funny characters and then some video game humor and stuff like that like i think i don't remember if i was there or i saw the video of like of like rocky balboa fighting oh. karate kid and i was like yes. this is like my dream match you know what i mean and so, and so and then but then at the same time you know they have you have paul london show up for a match you know what i mean and you have like just a killer wrestling match right in the middle of all of that so yep. so so tell me what it was you said hood slam revitalized your career what was it about hood slam that did that so when hood slam first started uh, she contacted me and was just like hey you got a great character you don't have to do anything different come wrestle for hood slam and i at the time i was like I got kids. I can't just go down because they just started. You know, like I, I can't do it right now. I'm sorry, but I'll try to do my best. And then, I, and then I was like I said, the down point in my wrestling. I just wasn't getting bookings that I wanted, and I was like, ah, I don't know if I really want to do this. And then she she contacted me again, and I was like, you know what? Let's do this. What do you got for me? And it was the one year anniversary that I started with Hood Slam, and it was myself, El Chupacabra versus uh, Zombie Vinny Butati. So it was a mm. Chupacabra versus a Zombie. And the whole story was, can a zombie turn into a chupacabra if bitten by a chupacabra? Or can a chupacabra turn into a zombie if bitten by a zombie? <laughs> <laughs> the question nice. is no for both. <laughs> <laughs> the, the answer is no for both. <laughs> yeah. And now you're, I mean, you're a, a regular, right? You, you're one of the Hood Slam regulars? Yep. Yeah. Uh, I, I, every chance I get, um, I will be there for Hood Slam. I, I've told everyone you know, where I wrestle, if Hood Slam comes up for a show and it's your show. Sorry, I I I'm going Hood Slam first. That's my flagship. Right. So, nice. Yeah, I, I I think I think her for keep on sticking with me and telling me to keep coming for a whole year because it was like I said it helped change my aspect. Because we were doing it at the Victory Warehouse and in the Victory Warehouse, it, you know, if you've seen it there in the pictures and stuff like that, it's where they started training for Stone U and everything like that. And it's a small place that holds like maybe 60 people inside or something like that. And it started off with maybe a hundred people packed inside there with the ring and there's people on the outside partying, having a good time, doors open for the garage to watch them from the outside. And just to see that different style of wrestling where no chairs, fans are up against the ring and everything like that. Like 
that was we Sam, she was the real first one that brought that to wrestling, I believe. The whole mm-hmm. no chairs. Yeah. yeah. So that that aspect of wrestling just changed the whole everything of wrestling about what I thought about it. And just like the storylines, the, the the band playing there, just we had the Pink Panther, we had Juice Lee, just and it's just great stories with a lot of characters and like you said a lot of like everything that you described it was all of that yeah wow well let me let me ask you i appreciate you giving me the time and, and, and indulging me on this stuff you know oh, no, you're fine you're fine you've you've been doing you know, you've been doing wrestling for 20 years you've been married for how, how long you married like 21 22 right you've been married for 22 years something like 20, that yeah we've been married for 20 no 2008 is when we got married Okay. Well, you've been. Yeah, 2008 when we got married. Yet. Yeah, been, we've been together been, since 2000. Yeah, so you've been yeah. together 23 years, and you, your yes. whole adult life, you've been a pro wrestler. What's something in your life that's happened that you expected to happen, and something that did you didn't expect to happen? Uh, I ex. Ooh, watch yourself, son. Okay. <laughs> uh, I expect that. Hmm. This is a hard one. I don't know. I mean, I expected that it was going to be rough. Mm-hmm. Like I would lose a lot of friends. I expected mm-hmm. that, but it showed me who my true friends were. So I was kind of happy about that. What do you mean by um, that? Like it lose lose a lot of friends? Why? Because of wrestling or because of something else? No, because of wrestling. Just because oh, okay. of like like my high school friends, my friends I played sports with for like ten years and stuff like that. Um, it showed their true colors, and I was like, "Hey, I want to be a pro wrestler." And they're like, "Ha, ah, whatever." And mm-hmm. I'm, I expected that kind of thing, and then, and then I did expect after, like, it was going to be, "Oh, hey, you're a pro wrestler now. You're, you're, I see you on TV and this and that. Awesome. Can I, can I get a ticket to your show?" Mm-hmm. Nah. Yeah. You know, just right. that, 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 that yeah. typical stuff like that. So, um, I'm trying to think, of I can't. Think, I had something on top of my head, but I can't think of that. Hmm. Something you didn't expect. Yeah. yeah. Well, well let me ask you. Mm-hmm. Injuries were always there. Um, now it's better, but oh, the drugs and alcohol back in the day. Oh man, that was horrible back in the day. <laughs> I didn't, ex- I didn't expect it to be what it was. I get all those stories, and then I saw it really happen, and I'm like, oh, man, this is real. Yeah. I'm glad I don't do all this stuff. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Staying away from that stuff is such a good idea. And that, that was actually part of the reason, you know, I went on a mission for my church. I, You know, my story was I, I helped start SPW. I was there for three or four of the shows pretty much bef- right before Big Ugly kind of took over. Because Rich, I don't remember, I don't even know how long Rich was running it before Big Ugly took over. But Rich was running it for the shows I was there. And then I left, and when I came back, wrestling was kind of still at the end of the Attitude Era, you know, stuff like that. And I just, and I saw, you start seeing people like Jake Roberts being, you know, he was a meth head. And, you know, there were all these different, you know, stories of drugs and people being, all my heroes were starting to die, you know, all these different things. And I go, ah, you know, and I knew I wanted to be a a dad and, and I knew I wanted to have kids. And I was like, I don't want to be traveling that much and not be around him um and so i always had the idea like all he had um which was you know i would love to start something so it's like 150 miles but home every night kind of thing you know where 
you weren't traveling all that way. But anyway, that was, uh, and so I'm just curious, like that, that time frame, seeing all that stuff, like what was it that kept you away from that? Like you said, my family and just like wanting to have a family and be there for them. It was basically the same thing that you were just saying. So seeing everyone do it, I was like, and seeing the side effects of like all the bad stuff of just, you know, steroids, drugs, alcohol. I mean, that was just horrible to see. But I did say that I would, I would have, I would have taken steroids if I had a contract. Like not a maybe, but here's a contract. <laughs> but I would have done it right, you know. I'm not gonna be doing it the horrible way. But that right. was that was one thing that I was thinking about. And then in my head, I'm like, no, I don't need to do that. If I can't do it on my own and I have to cheat to do it this way, then I shouldn't be doing. It. Right. So that that was mostly my mentality. And plus, I'm five eight, five nine. I'm small. I'm I. I my wife gets mad at me because I still have the same. I have two pairs of pants from high school that I still fit into. <laughs> so so, I, <laughs> so so tell me now when you're let me ask you uh, a couple questions i ask everybody what would you say is your biggest success in life my kids yeah. my family yeah. they're it's it's it, I, i'm able to to see my parents see me having kids and see it in their their eyes like oh wow someone was dumb enough to go with you <laughs> <laughs> but uh <laughs> but no it was more the fact that like i i was able to grow up in my family's eyes and i have a family and able to support them and still do it and, you know that's a good accomplishment to know that my mom and dad were able to look at me and go okay we did good on on this one here like he's mm-hmm. he's doing it right so like my family is one thing that i i value and and, and trust the most nice what would you say would be your biggest failure in life and what did you learn from it? Biggest failure in life. Being being too humble for too long. Mm. So I for years, I mean, I'm, I'm you know me, I treat people the way I want to be treated. Um, I want to be I want to be able to, you know, laugh and have a good time, and I want that other person in the same room with me that laugh and have a good time. Um, yeah. And I was very humble about a lot of things, and just, you know, never got angry about stuff I should have been angry about, and just kept mm. forging ahead. There should have been times I should have just put my foot down and, and you know, got angry about it, and I should have done that now. Oh. Bye. One sec. Have a good practice. Bye, Bye girls. Have a good uh, practice. That's the that's the first. That's the first kiss on the Edlow podcast. That's cute. <laughs> first kiss on the Edlow podcast. Okay. All right. Bye. Okay, bye love you. Be safe. Okay, bye. Um, but by, by not, by me not sitting there and putting my foot down and, and being more of a dick, I, I, I let a lot of opportunities slip or I just didn't do exactly what I should have done. Um, mm. I mean, like now I, I've been really blunt honest on a lot of things. So I'm at the end telling the career I say, and I'm just like, why do I need to hold back? I, I should be saying yeah. these things or doing these things. Sure. And it, it ruffles a lot of feathers. It, it does. But if it ruffles feathers, I must be doing something right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let me ask you this last question um, that I ask everybody. And that is, 
you know, someday down the road, we hope it's a long time away, but one day you're going to pass away and there's going to be a funeral and someone's going to give your eulogy. What would be the one thing you hope someone would say about you in your eulogy? Whenever you are down, Chupi's laugh will turn that frown upside down. Because <laughs> everyone knows, like, the twins always say about it. They're like, man, hey, is Chupi here? Far right corner, you just hear my laugh in the corner. They say, they go, oh, there he is. <laughs> For years, because they, they've all, the twins they always say something of just like how, when they hear my laugh, because it's a, they say it's a genuine laugh. It's coming from my gut. I, I don't, I don't do the, when I laugh, I can't fake. Laugh. I can't hold I can't, back. It, it's coming out. <laughs> I can't fake laugh to save my life. I have, it has to be real. Yeah. I hear you. That's so awesome. I would, I just want, I would, I just, I just want people just to sit there and just know that I was a good family man. I was a good friend. Um, try to keep everyone happy and smiling. I, I, I want to be known as, not, I don't even have to be known as a good wrestler. I just want to be known as a good person. Uh, see, that's awesome, man. So where people who listen to this, where can they find more about El Chupacabra? Um, so I'm on all the social medias uh, for Twitter and Instagram. It's at Chupi Chupi. Uh, so it's C-H-U-P-Y, C-H-U-P-Y. So nice. Got to say it twice. Um, <laughs> you I got that from Madagascar too. Moto Moto. I love that. I love that movie. And I saw that and I was like, sold, choopy choopy. That's the, that's the, that's the handle. Nice. Um, uh, other than that, you can find me always on anything at Hood Slam. Um, you can type in uh, Chupacabra Wrestling on YouTube and find some of my matches. I'm trying to post as much as I can on there. Um, I believe on TikTok and everything else, I'm at, at choopy choopy FTF or FTF choopy choopy. One of those ways you'll see my beautiful painted up face there um, as a picture. Um, but other than that, hopefully catch me near a city close to you. That's not California. That's what I'd like to say. Uh, nice. So I'm trying to venture out as much as I can right now. I'm trying to, I'm, I want to go to like, you know, to Minnesota. I want to go to Florida. I want to go to the East coast. I want to go to Texas. Um, this year I'm, I'm really trying my hardest just to get out and fly and, and spread my, my wings and get out there more before nice. before my body can't hold up anymore <laughs> no that's awesome man well i hope that works so if anybody's listening and they're out of state and they have their favorite indie indie promotion that wants to do a fly-in i can i can attest i've i ran a bunch of shows every single one of them was successful every single one of them made money and i had choopy on every single show and he always put on a good match it didn't matter who you put him in there with he could get a good match out of anybody and i i mean that like it was it was great. And every single time you ask, especially the kids, he was one of the, you, you, you were always one of the, the biggest merch sellers. You know, <laughs> and that's, and, and to me, that's a, that's a sign of you, you draw, you know, if, if you're at intermission and you look at the, at the, the, the merch stand and your merch is the one flying off the shelves. And we used to do all the eight by tens and tell them, Oh, you pay this and yep. you get a signature and all that. And, Yours would go. You, yours would go like hotcakes, you know. Yep. You, you and you Still and Dave to this day. got the new yeah. ones out. Come and get them. Message me. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So, so I can attest to that. But, but man, it's it's been great. I'm glad you took the time. I'm glad I got to learn a little bit more about you and your career and and everything. And uh, your family's great. I've seen your kids grow up, and you know it's just great. From when uh, your 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 uh, second oldest daughter was uh, was just 
popping and ro- popping and locking in the, in, in the oh. um, before the <laughs> before the show and just all that stuff. It's just been fun to to watch you guys grow up and and see uh, all the success you've had. So it's been awesome. Thank you, thank you. No, it's it's like I said, I'm very fortunate that I'm able to have the support system with my wife and my kids, and I'm and they're willing to come and see me wrestle and do things like that. Like that that's the greatest part that they're not ashamed. You know what I mean? Like, ah, oh, my dad's a wrestler. You know, like they want to, they're, they're actually excited. They tell their friends, they pull up the YouTube videos and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm happy that my family appreciates what I do for them and what yeah. I do for myself. So. Yeah. No, that's awesome, man. Well, great. Well, if you guys have made it this far, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. We have a lot of more cool stuff coming up. Uh, I love, I love interviewing uh, wrestlers. You know, I did, I did a few, I'll, I'll tell you, I did a few, um, you know, like Hall of Famers, I did Abdullah the Butcher, Tito Santana. I've had them on the podcast and all that. And it got to a point where I was like, okay, so I could probably, you know, do all these, you know, Hall of Famers and WWE shoot interviews and stuff like that. But I really wanted to make sure that I could get my friends, my indie friends out here and get get you some exposure and get people to learn who you are. And you are one of the guys who were on the list. So I'm glad we we're able to do this. You know. No, I, I appreciate it. I mean, like I said, you, you know my schedule. You've seen it. I'm actually pretty much booked every weekend all the way up until November right now. So, man, I guess still, it, yeah, it, still it, in it, high demand, man. I I just try to. They love the character, and I'm going to give them the character as long as they want it. <laughs> yeah, right on, man. Well, great. Well, thanks, everyone. We'll uh, we'll catch you next time.